Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Jamie Tardy. She is the founder of The Eventual Millionaire and also wrote a book by the same title, The Eventual Millionaire. So we are going to talk about millions of things, I guess. Uh, Jamie, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So because this is the first time actually you've been on my show, uh, I know other people have probably heard this story, but I'd love it if you'd kind of tell me uh, what's the idea behind the eventual millionaire? Yeah. So way back when, when I was little, I wanted to be a millionaire. I know that's odd, right? So I was around eight and my mother told me <laughs> that I should marry a rich man, which is <laughs> always exactly what you want to hear, right? Uh, so anyway, I went and pushed towards that. So I got a six-figure job when I was 22 in, in computers and IT and realized how much I hated it. And so it's sort of that quintessential story that you hear all the time. You go for the money, you go college, all that fun stuff, and then realize that you're not happy, and then you make it not about the money. So the whole point of Eventual Millionaire is that you want to have an enjoyable life and an enjoyable business first, money comes second. So I know million is in the title, right? <laughs> because I do think we all have to be millionaires. In order yeah. for me to retire, I need over $3 million well, just yeah, for mil retirement. A million dollars just doesn't go very far anymore. That's Unfortunately, the it's kind of sad now. Yeah. It's so, sort of like the two-income family with a house and a couple cars. Like, it's not a thing anymore. Yeah. So we kind of all have to become that. But I want to do it on my own terms, right? Yeah. So we actually can enjoy our lives going to it. So um, to give me a little background on how you've built a business then. Because uh, I know that, or at least I'm assuming it started out with this idea and you, like a lot of people, started sharing this idea and started interviewing other millionaires, which I think was kind of an interesting uh, approach. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the funny thing is I actually started out when I was around 24, 25 uh, with a mentor who was a business coach beforehand, sold a million dollar business. So I worked with him for almost three years before I ever went out on my own. And the only reason why I went out on my own is because uh, I lived in the middle of nowhere in Maine and business is, it's actually the 49th worst state in the US <laughs> for business in general, which is great to be a business coach in. <laughs> uh, and so, but I had this degree in IT. I was such a, a huge geek that it just sort of made sense. So I started Eventual Millionaire just because I thought it was would be fun to learn how to blog. It had nothing to do with my business at the very beginning, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And then after a while, I was like, hey, I might be on to something. I actually blogged for six months, and then CNN found me, right? And I was on CNN and Yahoo's homepage and Kipling's personal finance. And it just sort of went from there, which is amazing. I was actually going to give up my blog beforehand because I thought it wasn't doing anything. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, so about what year was that? Uh, that was 2010. Yeah, okay. Because um, I've, you know, uh, listeners of my show, of course, heard me tell that same, essentially that same story five years or so before that, you know, 2003, four and five, I kind of the same thing. I started blogging just because I wanted to, uh, I knew that this online thing was going to gonna be something. And I just, I knew the way to get content out there was to start, you know, before we used the term inbound marketing, that's what I was doing. And, uh, uh, you know, I had in about an 18 month period had every journalist who's who journalist you know publication that you could name you know their editor said go out and find me one of those blogger people and uh so i, I showed up in places like the new york times and the wall street journal and and i, I think a lot of it had to do with the, the name was clever enough that it got people's attention but uh, uh it really was kind of a right place right time 
Well, and it's funny because people even say like, because again, small town from Maine, 2,000 people, right? Like who the heck am I? Uh, I guest posted on a really popular site that had a bunch of journalists that were paying attention. So it's not as though I was was just found. I actually guest posted on a site. They read it. They loved, I had paid off $70,000 in debt. They loved the story. That's where it went. Yeah. So one of the things that um, that you do uh, currently is uh, you do have some pretty interesting guests on and I, I, I imagine you don't have them submit a tax return or anything, but uh, the idea is that the, these are millionaire businesses, right? Yes. I actually go by net worth. So yeah, it's not, okay, to me, okay. it's not just about a million dollars in business. You know, you yeah, can have a, a yeah. negative profit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and ask a lot of construction companies um, that, that, that do millions and millions of dollars. So. <laughs> but, I used to coach a lot of construction companies, so I totally know that. <laughs> so um, so tell me how, tell, tell me a little bit about your, the, the approach to those interviews and, you know, how you find, because I, you know, you, you have some people on your show that I recognize their names and other people would recognize their names, but obviously you have a lot of people that are just out there doing it and maybe nobody's heard of them, uh, but uh, they have a great story. So, you know, how, how do you go about finding some of those folks? Yeah, well, now, thankfully, it's all referrals. But the whole premise of it was that I wanted to find people that were in the trenches and actually doing it, not just the people writing books about it. Don't get me wrong. Writing books is great. But I wanted wanted an amalgam of a whole bunch of people. So, yeah, they're definitely, like, best-selling authors on there, too. Uh, But a bunch of random people that you've never heard of with, like, weirdo businesses (laughs) that are actually making money, which I think is awesome. So the very beginning, though, again, small town, I knew no millionaires at all. I remember asking my mentor, and he's like, nobody's going to to come on your show and say that they're a millionaire that just puts a target on them right yeah. so i was like well i'll figure it out anyway so first i went on itunes and looked up the term millionaire and just hoped that there was a couple on there i actually found three people that sent yes frank mckinney was my very first interview as i was like shaking and asking questions to him <laughs> uh i've interviewed him like four times now he's amazing uh but at the time that was it i just it was a cold email to somebody i didn't even know yeah. and then after that it started uh, the ball rolling using help a reporter out Mm-hmm. And of course, we verify as much as we can, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, to make sure that they do have a net worth of, of over a million. But in general, that was the very beginning. I thought it was going to be a monthly podcast, to tell you the truth, because I didn't think I was going to know that many people. Now it's insane. I meet anyone. They're like, oh, I know a couple of millionaires. Let me introduce you. It's like right. the best networking tactic in the world. <laughs> That's great. So um, I'll put you on the spot. What, what's been your favorite interview? Okay, you're not allowed to say that. No, I know. It's picking between children. Actually, I, I kind of do have a favorite, but it's it's a personal favorite. So I say, um, if there's something specific as a business owner you want to learn, I could pick different yeah. interviews for you. But for me, I want to be a futurist when I grow up. I'm obsessed with the future of technology, and so a guy that's actually on my board of mentors, his name is Nicholas Webb. He's a futurist, and so he was my favorite. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by my friends at. FreshBooks. I have loved this tool for a really long time. Uh, it is super intuitive, makes creating, sending invoices really simple. You know you got to collect the cash, you got to keep track of the expenses, and you got to collect the cash. That's really what it comes down to uh, in your finances. FreshBooks takes about 30 seconds to set it up. You can personalize it for your brand, and your clients can now start paying you online, which for many people can speed up getting paid. You'll know whether or not they opened up an invoice. Really, really great tool for creating invoices. 
but it does a heck of a lot more. Uh, obviously, that's one of the key features, but you can also track your expenses and put them into categories so that all of a sudden the, the bookkeeping and accounting stuff gets a lot easier. Of course, there's a mobile app. You can track cash flow so that you know when to expect money coming in. Time tracking. If you're doing uh, any invoicing or projects uh, that are hourly based, you can just put it right into FreshBooks. So here's the thing you need to know is that if you are a person that uh, really does not like the numbers, uh, maybe especially if you're one of those people, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to all duct tape marketing listeners. It's totally free right now, and you don't even need a credit card to get started. Just go to freshbooks.com slash duct tape. So you've mentioned, I'm going to go off topic here because we didn't talk about this, but you've mentioned the term mentor several times. Tell me a little bit about your approach to mentor, not, not, not to mentoring, but being, you know, putting together mentors. Uh, you, before I think we went on the air here, you started talking about a mastermind uh, that you're in. I'd love to hear a little bit of your thinking on the value of those and, and how they apply to your business. I mean, it's huge, especially, I mean, I've interviewed over 250 millionaires, number one, and almost all of them have a mastermind, mentor, accountability, something, right, to be able to help each other out. When I started, I had nothing. And so I, I was specifically looking for a mentor, mm -hmm. like, please help me, somebody. I don't really know what I'm doing. But I wanted somebody that I didn't just pay. I wanted somebody who has invested in me also, right? So don't get me wrong. I love coaches. I am a coach. Yeah. But I also think that having a mentor where somebody that you don't necessarily even have to pay, um, but that's in it for giving back is huge. So I, I talk a lot about finding them. I mean, I, like I said, I found one middle of nowhere in Maine. Now I've had so many. I'm just extremely lucky that I interview millionaires, right? And many of them want to help that I had to form a board of mentors because I was getting too much advice from too many millionaires. How, how horrible, right? How horrible is that? So I have a board of mentors now that meets quarterly and they tell me what to do in a group. And tell me a little bit about, um, and maybe you are in multiple, tell me a little bit about your approach to masterminding. Yeah, so Masterminds, I started my one, actually your audience members might know Pat Flynn. I started one with him back, gosh, it was almost six years ago that it's been running. I just had my call uh, right before this interview. And I, I did that because I made a list of my five closest friends. You've probably heard that before. Make a list of your five closest friends <laughs> and see if that's where you are. Well, I actually wrote their names down. You have to burn it afterwards so they don't like see the list of, of your friends. Uh, but I did that and I realized that they weren't where I wanted to be. Now, again, living in the middle of nowhere, I didn't really have access to a lot of people that were where I wanted to be. So I created this online mastermind group. So we meet weekly and we have for six years and I randomly found people. I didn't know Pat at all. Uh, I actually emailed him. He said no at first. And then I emailed him again uh, once we had some more people in the group and he ended up saying yes and he's been in it for, for six years. So I have that mastermind group. I've had a couple others. Um, one lasted two years. Another one just started up with some amazing people that you heard about too. So it's, it's insane the power of a mastermind to me because getting the collective and it's very um, Napoleon Hill think and grow rich. That's actually, it's kind of funny how it happened because even before I started Eventual Millionaire, he talked about mastermind groups. So I formed mm -hmm. a mastermind group. Now I I've been called Napoleon Hill, right? I've only I've only got to 250 millionaire interviews. He has 500, so I have a little ways to go. Uh, but I've followed his path just in general anyway to surround yourself with people that really level you up. And it's insane what it's done. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that 
I, I had uh, you you had promoted a, a webinar that you were doing, um, mm-hmm. and, and I think you've probably already done it. I missed it, and so I thought uh, I would take some of the bullet points from that and say, okay, give us the quick version of some of what you know people would have learned in that webinar because it uh, I don't remember the topic, but it's had something to do with doubling your revenue, um, and I figured, gosh. Everybody's probably interested in that. So I know who doesn't want to do that. Come on, if you don't, that's not good. And well, and the, and the best part is, you said there's a fast formula for doing it, and of course, that's that's like even more magic to people's ears. So. <laughs> I know, right? Marketing, marketing, marketing. <laughs> so, uh, what is the fast formula for doubling your revenue? So, in that uh, webinar specifically, it's funny that you brought up the accountability and support because that's actually a really big piece. That's actually the third piece that I talk about. But the beginning two pieces. And this is, you've probably heard it a lot recently, is opportunity versus distraction. So this main idea of focus, right, that, which is why the one thing, right, that book or essentialism, like they are going insane right now because we just have way too many distractions. I swear with my clients, the main thing that I'm working on with most of them is we entrepreneurs are like, squirrels, mm-hmm. right? We're like squirrel ADD to the, mm-hmm. to the nth degree. Uh, so being able to really pay attention to the core focus of what that one goal is, even with my clients, I don't let them pick a different goal until they convince me that they need to change their goal, right? Because we are in this right now society of people that are like quick, want everything right the second. I mean, even just in your explanation, how do we do this? The best way that millionaires know is to focus on one thing until they are amazing at it or achieve it, right? Before you end up switching. Because when we get distracted, that's when we don't see the results that we want to see. So that's the first piece. Well, and I think from a, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, I've been doing this a really long time. And I think when I started, maybe there were six, if you pushed it, eight places that you could market your business, eight channels maybe. I think I routinely talk about 16 or 18 uh, today. And I I think that that's made this sort of fractured approach uh, even worse. Well, and that's the problem, right? So we have so many opportunities. We're like, yay! And we can't distinguish between opportunity versus distraction. Yep, 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 yep. Right? And so that's what a big piece of it is. I mean, and talk to, if you have a mastermind group, talk to them about it because it's really easy for other people to see. It's not so easy for you to see. So how do you prioritize, uh, I think the term you used, uh, profit uh, and destroy distractions? So one of the biggest things is you need to have that main goal. So once you pick one goal that makes all the rest of them come true, then you solely focus on that, right? And the way that we figure out what that is, um, is to really start thinking about your vision, right? Mm -hmm. And then go back. I usually do like a five-year out one-ish, but that one's so broad and it should be broad because heck, who knows exactly Exactly. where we want to be, (laughs) right? But then I dial it back to a year and then three months because I think the thing is, is that we we really only know the next three months, no matter if anyone says like, I have the next five years planned out. Things change constantly, especially in marketing. It's ridiculous, yep. unfortunately. That's why we all have jobs, right? Yep. Uh, so, but paying attention to what those, what those numbers are. And then the, the second piece that I was alluding to before is knowing what those metrics are that you need to be hitting every single day or every single week or every single month that's going to get you to that goal. Because that's where we make decisions. We have a tendency as human beings to just sort of generalize and go, yeah, I think this is a good idea. I should go down this route. But if you don't know what the numbers actually tell you, then we can't make the best decisions. Yeah, and it's it's uh, difficult. I mean, I think uh, any kind of business, especially online today. I mean, I, you know, by the time I'm done with this uh, call, I will probably have you know, my inbox was was 
for the most part, empty. And I'm sure I'll have 30 or 40 emails in there. So, you know, it's so easy. And, and, and you know, a lot of them will be sincere requests for my time. <laughs> Um, and so it's, it, uh, it really gets tough. And I think, uh, I know that I've seen you preach and certainly Pat, I know preaches, I'm going to have Pat, uh, Flynn, uh, listeners, uh, will be on, uh, in a, in a future episode, um, to talk about his new book, but, uh, you know, you really have to almost get, um, psycho about your time, don't you? Heck yeah, I'm a mom of two children. So yeah, exactly. I pick them up at three o'clock every day. There's only so much time in the day, but but millionaires only have so much time too. They're really good at delegating though and saying no a thousand times over. I know a lot of people are like, say yes. It's like, no, stop, please. Because yeah. anything else, if somebody comes to you with a request, pretty much all of those should be no, unless you ask yourself this question. Does it align with the goal that I already have set? And if it does... Yay, say yes. If it doesn't and you're just trying to help people out, unfortunately, it's a no. And sometimes that can be painful because we don't want to let people down. Yeah, and I think experience will teach you. I mean, the, the worst experiences I've had in my life is when I've said yes and no, n- knew that I shouldn't. But I said yes, and then I did a crappy job helping them out. <laughs> yeah, know? it's like I feel like it's like when somebody gives you a Christmas gift or something like that, and you're like, oh, I didn't give you one back. You know, it's like you don't always ha- – it's not about that. It's not always about um, I feel like I have to give you this thing. It really makes a difference on you being intentional with your own time. Because if you're not – I mean the first – I have a group coaching program called Millionaire Hustlers. The first thing we do is time because people are like, I don't feel like I have enough. We use uh, – I make people delete Facebook off of their phones. They yeah, hate me yeah, for a little yeah, bit. We yeah. do Newsfeed Eradicator. We Whatever we can do to scoop as much time as we possibly can and then make conscious decisions over how you use that time, that's what millionaires do. Do you find that most of the folks or many of the folks you've talked to actually go as far as having a, a, regardless of the size of their business or enterprise, having a personal assistant to do a lot of stuff for them? Definitely. Definitely. I have a personal assistant, cooking, cleaning, all that fun stuff. Oh my gosh, I could, because that, that task is only a 15 or $20 task and we know the value of our time makes a huge difference. So tons of them do. Yeah. And, and I think it's uh, certainly the value one is pretty easy equation, but there's also a lot of stuff that entrepreneurs, uh, you're just not good at. You're never going to be good at. <laughs> you hate it. <laughs> All those kinds of, you know, things. And I think that, that getting those off your plate uh, in many cases just frees up even the mental capacity to do things like innovation and, and creativity. Well, and so that's the funny thing. I've, I've interviewed so many millionaires. And at this point, a lot of their strengths, they, they number one, know their strengths better than anyone else. That's a huge key point hmm. that, that most of them do. And then they delegate what they're not good at. And a lot of them, a lot of them say they have ADD too. It's kind of funny how yeah. the majority of them, yeah. even if they're not diagnosed, it's kind of crazy. So they are these innovative people that probably aren't good with the details. I mean, most yeah. of the people <laughs> that I talk to are not good with details. So hiring someone who can manage up right? And be great with the details is something that changes businesses. I mean, even clients that I've worked with, people are like, oh my gosh, I feel like I can breathe now because somebody else is taking care of all the little things and you can focus on the bigger picture, moving your business forward, which is huge. And that's how you create more revenue. Well, I want to go back to that point that you're that, that, um, term that you just used manage up. Cause I think a lot of people go out and they, they try to find somebody that they can just throw a bunch of tasks at, but I think you're, you're talking about something maybe a little more significant than that, somebody that can almost collaborate with you. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was chatting with Jay Papasan, who's here in Austin, who is the co-author of The One Thing, right? Yep. Amazing guy. And he gave me this piece of advice, which, which I adore. He goes, you don't want to find an executive admin. You want to find an admin executive. He's like, you want to train somebody that can be part of your executive team that you know is amazing and then have them manage you. Because you, no offense, but most entrepreneurs need to be managed, just, <laughs> just so we know. Yeah, there's a there's a great book called Rocket Fuel. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Gino Wickman, um, and and the whole idea is that the same same premise that you know 90 of of successful entrepreneurs are innovators and they need to actually have as part of their company um, an implementer who sits on the executive team who actually manages all the other departments and is kind of like the go between, if you will, uh, between the CEO and the other departments so that. Uh, um, you know, the, the actual stuff gets done and that the CEO is actually held accountable for what the CEO is supposed to do because nobody holds them accountable. Exactly. It's funny. I just spoke on stage at Freedom Fastlane here in Austin, which had like a billionaire, uh, the founder of Priceline, Jeff Hoffman, and a whole bunch of other Gary V spoke, Grant Cardone, amazing people. And they were all sort of saying the same thing because the whole point of, of that conference was – to go from a million to 10, right? Mm -hmm. To really level up big time. And over and over and over again, people kept saying, you need to know your strengths. I even, for my speech, I went through um, and actually asked a ton of the millionaires that I interviewed just for data points to go, what is that one thing that you think it is to go from a million to 10? And almost all of them said strength. Like knowing what your strength is yeah. and really doubling down on that yeah. is amazing. And not enough people know that or even pay attention to it. Well, that's a really interesting point, though, because I suspect that that that's something people need help with. And and what I mean by that is I think a lot of people are wrong about what their strengths are or they don't really understand what their strengths are. And obviously there are a lot of tools out there and companies that are just built on that. But don't, don't you think a lot of uh, even semi-successful, you know, that person that got to a million is, you know, a lot of people would say is successful, but now they plateaued because they yep. can't figure out what their strengths are. Yeah. So the funny thing is like, you, a, a, for people that are, are newer, you're not going to know until you get into it. Like I didn't even know I was going to be good at interviewing. I didn't even know I was good at networking to tell you the truth. I again, lived in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have a lot of opportunity to network. Uh, so as you get into business, you'll start to uncover some things. Um, another option is to ask other people what you're good at, mm -hmm. but I'm also obsessed with assessments, mm -hmm. not, not because they are the end all be all, in any way, shape, or form. Like I've taken Colby, Culture Index, Fascinate, Disc, uh, Myers-Briggs. There's like a thousand of them, right? right. Um, but I think each one gives you a little glimpse yeah. into a little bit better and you tweak a little bit more. I mean, I took the Culture Index. It didn't say things that are, are that different than some of the other ones, but it said that I need to take more frequent breaks. And I was oh. like, ah, that's amazing. You're right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wondered why I was getting so burnt out so quickly. Um, and so it just each one will give you a little bit more and a little bit more. But we do need to be paying attention to that. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges with those is so you take the Colby and it says you're a fast start. OK, what now? Now what? <laughs> what, exactly. what do I do with that? <laughs> well, so let me say this. So um, I just hired I'm hiring right now and I, I just hired a, a new person on my team. And it's funny because I know I'm a I'm totally a quick start. I'm a quick start and fast finder. Right. Yeah. Um, but I actually use the culture index to hire. And so the whole point is to find people that are much better at me at the things that I'm horrible at. So right. it's actually really good to know the things that you're horrible at. Like right, even right, with right. disc assessment, I'm a I'm high D, high I, uh, really low S and C. So I need to make sure I find somebody that's high S and high C so that way they can actually, you know, go with me. Um, and that's actually 
better to know what you're not good at so that way you can hire those roles and then you'll be uh, way better off than you trying to do them all yourself. So in doing some of your interviews, have you found are there characteristics in these uh, millionaires that you interview that that show up time and time again, you know, such as they're not very good at managing people or they're, you know, that kind of stuff? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of traits, right? So yeah. I remember after 10 interviews in, I was like, wow, they all kind of sound the same. Yeah, <laughs> Not exactly. that they sound the same, but um, some of the things that come up often are that they're willing to take risks and not like they're not risky. I wouldn't calculate them, call them, call them risky. They take calculated risks, yeah. very specific with usually contingency plans, just so well, we know. And, and part of that it probably is teamed with the fact that they have a tremendous amount of confidence in their ability to pull something off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So either they came from actually 50% of them came from corporate, which is kind of interesting. It's yeah. not as though their parents were entrepreneurial oh. or anything like that. The people whose parents were entrepreneurial, though, did have a, a, a better start. So they actually were successful younger, which yeah. is kind of interesting. So yeah. I did a whole for my book, I had them um, fill out a whole survey and stuff like that. So we got some data um, coming back because I was so interested in like, are you religious or are this? I just have a thousand questions, right? Yeah. Uh, so that was really interesting. I wanted to find out if they ate like really well, right? Huh. Like a lot of them, even just looking at them, most of them are not overweight in any way, shape or form. But half of them like ate really well. Half of them are eat the entrepreneurial's diet, which huh. is eat whenever you can, <laughs> whenever, whenever you actually have free time. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of those things weren't any trending anything, but another piece that is huge, which of this is self should be self evident, right? They are ecstatic learners. Yeah. Like they will keep trying and keep learning and keep tweaking, uh, no matter what. I feel like there's a cycle of like knowledge implementation, <laughs> knowledge implementation, uh, and sort of, we go around in a circle on that. So that was very, very evident. Well, you know, it's really funny. I mean, my wife sometimes gets after me, you know, of course I read like crazy. My wife sometimes gets after me and says, why don't you ever read for pleasure? And I'm like, you don't get it. I am. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like these books. <laughs> this is not work. And that's the thing that's difficult, though, because especially entrepreneurs love this learning piece. Yeah, yeah. It's hard because that opportunity distraction comes back in every single time. Ooh, there's a new idea. Ooh, yeah. squirrel. I want to run after that. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we get kind of stuck. Yeah. So I want to end with, um, uh, and I'm reading your copy. You, you write really, really compelling marketing copy here. <laughs> the most important thing I did to build my network and my net worth when I was just getting started. And wait, wait, wait. It's not what you think. <laughs> that that was the mastermind group. Oh, that okay. was totally the mastermind. Well, group. this is a huge build up and then that's it. that's how I feel let you down. Already, you already feel let should. down. Sorry. Oh, sad marketing. <laughs> the marketing was too good. But it's but that's the reason why you asked me about that in advance, right? Uh, because yeah. you know the importance yeah. of having that sounding board, the people that are right there with you, the people that are going through crap too so you don't feel so alone. Like it's amazing how intangible these things are and how massive valuable <laughs> they are. Jamie, uh, it's been too long for us to have got this together. Jamie, I'm speaking with Jamie Tardy, the author of The Eventual Millionaire. And people can find probably more than they would ever want to find out about you at theeventualmillionaire.com. Is that right? 
Yeah, if you actually go to eventualmillionaire.com, if you go to theeventualmillionaire.com, it's my book website, which oh. counts too. Okay, but perfect. If you want to know any about the the 250 interviews are all available for free on the site too at eventualmillionaire.com. Awesome. Well, Jamie, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, I always end this show by saying uh, hopefully we'll bump into you out there on the road. But we talked about the fact that we may uh, see each other next month in San Diego at uh, 2016 Social Media Marketing World. So hopefully we do. Heck yeah, it'd be great. Can't wait to see you again. It's been literally like three years or something like that since we actually saw each other in person. You're right. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks. 